Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast video edition. Thank you for watching. Or if you're listening to the audio feed, thank you for listening. You can always find us 24-7 at pathtozion.com where we are always posting new podcast episodes. We're almost two years in and uh, we thank you for watching and for listening and for sharing this with anyone. I, this this series, when I posted the introduction, um, you know, we got a little bit of feedback about some encouraging things. Not everybody thinks we're crazy. Not everyone thinks I've lost my mind. And, and so that that is encouraging. <laughs> it's fine if everyone does think you're crazy, but it's, it's kind of nice to be told every once in a while that, you know what? Maybe that's true. <laughs> it's very encouraging. So thank you for watching today. PathDesign.com is where you can always find us. Um, we are doing a series, Inhabitants who were meant to sojourn. Inhabitants who were meant to sojourn, a call to come out. And again, this is a a violent assault upon our Christian American heritage, our evangelical identity. That's not who I am. I make that so clear every time I talk to anyone or have, have any kind of a broadcast. That is not who I am. I am a follower of Yeshua Messiah. I am captivated, infatuated with living on earth as it is in heaven, as flawed as I am, and how poorly I do that at times. But for whatever reason, I get and I understand the end but not of reality. I don't know why that is. That's something that that I I just see a perspective that I believe is, is in, in some ways, not flawless, the perspective of the Father that looks down upon the kingdoms of men and see them for what they are. I'm not lured into them. I'm not, I'm not drawn into a, a nationalistic understanding of, of setting up camp here within the kingdoms and confines of men. I don't find much pleasure in all the comfy, cozy living of this nation. I don't. I have my own flavor of it. We talked about it in our home this morning at the breakfast table about what ways in our own life have just got to go. Not evil, not wrong, not sin. And see, that's the thing. The church just wants to always talk about sin. We never get past the sin issue. We rarely get past the sin issue, church. Well, are you in sin and rebellion? Are you... Are you watching pornography? Oh, don't do it. Two years, 10 years, 20 years later, are you still watching? You know, we just get stuck and all the church ever wants to talk about is sin. What about maturity? What about spiritual maturation where you know what? That's old news. Not old news as well. I never sin anymore, ever, ever, ever. We're not talking about extremes. I'm always, I haven't talked about that on the program for a while. This program right here is always calling out extremes. There's a middle ground that is actually good, right, healthy, and biblical. That makes sense. A way that you see and that you walk in. That we're told according to scriptures what it is and how to do it. We're not left undone to just, well, work it out amongst yourselves. We're told. We're told many things. So just a tiny bit of review. This is part two of this study. We've hardly gotten anywhere. We laid the groundwork in part one about what biblically speaking, according to Hebrew and Greek, 
what it means to be a sojourner and what it means to be a dweller, an inhabitant. And we looked at the two. And because why? Well, we have to understand what we're saying and what we're called to be and what we're called not to be. If we don't understand that fully, we can't, understandably so, we can't be either one correctly or leave one should we be called to do so. We have to know what we're trying to become and we have to know what we're being called to leave. So we laid that groundwork a little bit. We talked about First uh, Peter when, he, when, when the letter is clearly being written saying to those who reside as strangers, which is what we talked about that I love, the Greek understanding. It was one who is sojourning as he is awaiting his native country. So when Shaul Paul is saying these things, when these writers of the, of the eternal word of God are speaking and addressing people, they're saying, hey, all you people who don't belong here and who are waiting for a country that's going to be sent to us by Yahweh Elohim, listen up. They understood that. And more importantly, they lived that way. They lived a called out, set apart, holy, consecrated, distinct people life in a way that we've forgotten. It's an ancient way reality, like, like, like the, the slogan of this podcast says, we're rediscovering the ancient way. You have to go back and rediscover something so it doesn't continue to be lost. Oh man, some other things we talked about. Temporary dwelling versus permanency. He says, he, Yahweh says, I will gather you. I will bring you back. You go sojourn. We're going to talk about all the biblical principles and and primarily going to get right to the text in Genesis chapter 26 in regards to Isaac and redigging the wells of his father Abraham. Now this teaching here specifically, I spent a lot of time, I like to read commentaries. I like to just kind of hop around and see what teachers have said throughout the years about certain texts that I'm studying. Am I anywhere near where those who have gone before me landed. Sometimes, yes and amen, man, this seems, this seems right to me. It seems right to the word, the best I can understand it, excuse me. And it seems right to the brethren. Seems right. That's always encouraging. But many times, as, as it's good and healthy and right, We do all have different perspectives. We have different vantage points. We have different giftings. We have different levels of discernment. Different vantage points of looking and examining and studying to show ourselves approved, which is what is beautiful about the Word of God. I've talked on this in a recent podcast three or four weeks ago. But this is a different perspective that that I can't really find much. I found it in one other source, which is what really... Got the motors running on this. Um, a teaching that, that I believe originated in, in, in um, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's this Jewish teaching. It's hard to explain. It's, it's Orthodox, which, oh, we'll th- throw on the brakes. <laughs> it's an Orthodox Jewish perspective that was shared in measure. And I just, man, I gobbled it up and I just started studying for myself. I was already reading that text. It was awesome. And I just started devouring a different perspective that I hadn't thought of and I surely had never heard before about Isaac going and digging the wells, redigging the wells of his father. So this is definitely going to be a different layer because the word of God has layers. 
not just make it mean what you want, but it does have different layers of understanding for all of us. Perspectives. This one might be a little bit different. So let's move to our primary text. I don't know how much I'm going to read out of it, out of it um, all in one chunk, but I'm going to read whatever is necessary. So in Genesis chapter 26, there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And Yahweh appeared to him, Isaac, and said, Do not go down to Egypt, but instead stay in the land of which I will tell you. Dwell, okay? Dwell in the land which I will tell you. Become an inhabitant of the land I will tell you. Listen, friends, the only way you find a dwelling and a place to habitate is when Yahweh Elohim tells you to. Let's make that very clear. A lot of times we're trying to set up camp and Christianize a land, and all we're doing, which is what, man, this is a huge heaping helping of what we're going to get to later, we're persuaded. The gods become our gods. Like we looked at in, in the introduction with Solomon. Solomon was just cruising, man. Awesome, man. Pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. And all of a sudden, wives, wives, lovers, lovers, lovers. Captivated. Their gods became his gods. Sacrifices. Asheroth poles. All these things. Why? He lost sight of the purpose of sojourning and establishing an unshakable kingdom. We can all fall prey to that, all of us. We're all vulnerable to that distraction. The next thing you know, we are inhabitants of a land alongside inhabitants that were already there. We're worshiping the way they worship, doing what they do, looking just like them. Hello, America. The Lord appears to Isaac and says, don't go down to Egypt, stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Verse 3, key, key right here. Sojourn in this land. Okay? Sojourn in this land. And I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. Praise the father for his covenantal promises. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. I will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws, so Isaac lived in Gerar. Uh-oh. And this is so crazy, right? This blows my mind. I was reading a commentary, man, by a pre-predominant prophet of the Lord. And he goes through all of this text saying all the things we're about to get to. Isaac becomes blessed, favored. Was all because of Isaac's incredible obedience to listen to the word of the Lord that came to him. Can I point out something clear? Sojourn Isaac in this land. Sojourn. He goes and lives and dwells. Oh, sounds confusing. So when the men of the place, we're not going to have time to get all this stuff with his wife. It gets confusing. It's, it's, ironic, it's ironic, isn't it? About it just, it's, it's the story of Abraham and Sarah absolutely repeated in its entirety. It's, fa- it's fascinating the things that Isaac 
does, experiences, accomplishes. It's very strange. A lot of layers to that, too, we won't get into, of course. Abimelech is like, he's on his side. He's on Isaac's side. He says, man, leave this guy alone. I'm going to put you to death if you touch him. If you bother this man, you're going to hear about it from me. This is, what, this is what's so interesting. Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and Yahweh blessed Isaac. Hmm. It's weird. He, Isaac, became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy, for he had possessions of flocks and herds in a great household so that the Philistines envied him. Let's just stop right there for a minute. Okay, so in verse 2, Yahweh speaks. The Lord is, is dialoguing with Isaac. Dwell where I tell you. Verse 3, sojourn in this land. Verse 8, Isaac stays a long time. We did skip over that. It says, um, and it came about when he, Isaac, had been there a long time that Abimelech looked out and he saw um, Rebekah. So just some little key points. He does stay a long time. We see in verse 12, he sowed, he reaped, he receives blessing from Yahweh. He became rich and great. Now this word great, if you know Hebrew at all, if you listen to Hebrew music, Gadol. And, and it's, it's a word that's normally attributed to, to the father, this Gadol. But this is how Isaac became. He became great, magnified, increased, excellent, powerful. He became, man, he was the man. Interesting. Isaac had great blessing and great favor of Yahweh, it seemed. But then things begin to change. He's run off by Abimelech. So all the wells, this is verse 15 of Genesis chapter 26. All the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines have stopped them up by filling them with earth. I can guarantee you, you've heard countless sermons about this. Now I'm not saying those sermons with, with I'm sure, a, a differing vantage point of this text are wrong. I'm not saying that there's not spiritual significance to going back and redigging the wells. We got... You can connect that to, to the Holy Spirit. You can connect it to, to the commands of the Father being stopped up. And he went back and he opened them and released. We can do, this isn't an either or. This is an overreaching understanding. You know what? Many, many teachers that I've listened to over the years that I can remember and that I sought out to see what people say about this, just simply say this juvenile thinking, which is good this story's awesome. Isaac went back and all these bad people ran him off, which we're about to get to. He didn't do anything wrong. He had the right to do that. His father dug those wells, you know. And that's what really, when I heard this, um, this message about this and, and started studying this text for myself, that's what started really ringing true. Like, this kind of sounds like maybe something that's present day. Father, is this true? And if so, help me to understand it. And all of a sudden, components, pieces. Tetris, man. Lining up, making sense. Ah, ah, this is this. This is what we're seeing with this. This is applicable to today, to this nation, to this hour. Okay, so he's, he's opening all these wells. Man, verse, verse 16, everything changes. 
Abimelech says to Isaac, go away from us. You're too powerful. You're too great. So Isaac departs from there and he camped in the valley of Gerar. Oh, he settled there. Y'all, this is so clear, but I mean, let's let's just make sure we're being redundant to be made clear. He settles there in the valley. Verse 3, Sojourn in this land and I will be with you. He goes on, Yahweh says, I'm going to give you the lands. I'm going to give you the lands. I'm going to give you the covenantal promises that I promised your father. They are yours. Sure thing. Done deal. Sojourn. Sojourn. I'll take care of the dwelling. I'll take care of of your needs. I'll take care of the lands. I'll take care of the inhabitants. I'll do it all. Your task is to move. Sojourn, Isaac. Sojourn, Christian Americans. Oh boy, we're going to get on that. Isaac had great blessing and favor of Yahweh, but who, but then was run off by Abimelech, who interestingly never had issue with his father, never had issue with Abraham. Is it possible? Is it possible? Man, so many people don't, oh, I don't, I don't want to ask questions about the word of God because I've never heard that before and that might not be right. <laughs> is it possible there was any kind of flaunting or provocation by Isaac? Is it possible? Is it possible he was strutting through opening the wells of his father because, man, my dad came through here. Get out of the way. Have you seen my flocks? Have you seen my pastures? Yahweh's with us. It's possible. It's possible. It's just a thought, a question. Yahweh blessed Isaac. Now this is this this drives home the awesomeness of our father. He blessed Isaac. Even though Isaac disobeyed the command of going and sojourning. He blessed him. But, man, this is so powerful. Christian America, full of blessing, full of favor, full of advantage, full of good things. Great, great, great. Make us great. Make us greater. Make us greater. Let the whole world look at us, God, and see we're the best. No Christian can ever argue that that is not The voice of the Christian church. We are the greatest. Look at us. Which absolutely is Babylon. It is the Tower of Babel all over again, right here, right now, ascending to the highest of the heavens to say, look at us. We will not be defeated. We Do you not know that God is with us? How many scriptural accounts do we need that warn us of this arrogance, pride, boasting? It's all over the word of God, warning us to be careful. Yahweh's amazing, y'all. God is incredible. Because of, because of Abraham, Isaac's father, and all the all the Covenantal promises, man, there is an inheritance reality. Man, we're going to talk about that too. There's an inheritance reality. We did, we made light of that a little bit in the introduction. There are things that have come down to to people, to humanity, that we don't deserve in the slightest. 
because of a covenantal reality between God and man. We need to chew on that. We boast in our own condition, in our own identity. Look at us, ultimately found in Yeshua the Son. That's why we've got to be in Him. That's why we've got to go into the Son and get lost in Him and on earth as it is in heaven according to His ways because He's covenantally joined in perfection now with the Father. Perfect, flawless. It's a slain lamb reality. We've taught on that before as well. So even though, even though Isaac was not sojourning, he has all these blessings within the city. That doesn't make sense in our understanding. We say, Christian America says, we are this way, blessed, favored, comfortable, spoiled rotten, because God is so full of grace towards this nation. Man, there's something greater than just simply saying that's because we're so good. And that's because our forefathers prayed one time under a tree. There's more to it than that, friends. There's more to it than that. I don't even know what to read. There's so much in here. My goodness, this is the size of the solar system. Okay, so verse 18, Genesis 26. Then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. Why? Well, the Philistines had stopped them up after um, Abraham had died. And even after Abraham had gave them the same name, and I'm sorry, Isaac then gave them the same names which his father had given them, the wells. But when Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water, the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with the herdsmen of Isaac, saying, The water is ours. So he named the well Esek. Why? Because they contended with him. This word means contention, strife. Then they dug another well. They quarreled over it too. He named it Sitna. I've got that written in here. What is Sitna? Oh, hatred. So you got strife, contention, and hatred. We're going to ask these questions. Well, why? Man, there's an answer. Can't wait to tell you. Sitna, verse 22, he moved away from there and he dug another well. But they didn't quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth. For he said, at last the Lord has made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Okay, so man, this is it. Where are we at in time? Okay, we've got time. Awesome. Man, this is, this, is the full, this is the full five course meal right here. Lord, help me to speak it. That makes sense. So Isaac is traveling through a little bit now. But he's still dwelling. He goes, he's dwelling in Gerar. He's run off by Abimelech. He goes to the valley to dwell again. And all of a sudden, these herdsmen come and they, what are you doing with these wells, man? Move along. But like Abraham, his father, Isaac was told to be a traveler. Yahweh would inform him later of where he was to dwell. That was the, that was the clear directive. The three wells. We're just reflecting a little bit of what we just read. Isek meaning strife. Sitna meaning hatred. And Rehoboth meaning, this is so, man, this is so powerful. Expansion. Wide open space. 
Why is this significant? Why is this significant? This takes so much time to unpack. I want to make sure I do this right. I want to make sure this comes across so clear. Without getting ahead of myself. Let's just talk about this for a minute. From our understanding, what you've been taught, what I've been taught, what we read casually or study for ourselves, we have to ask the question, did Isaac have the right to redig the wells of his father? Most, most everyone will say, you better believe he did. He can do whatever he wants. His father dug those wells. But here's the thing. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna reiterate this in 10 different ways in the re- remaining parts of this study. Oh, man. Contention and strife and hatred. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now and I'm going to say it again several times because this has got to be made clear. I'm so struggling because I feel the weight of this. I feel the weight of what I'm about to say, and I want to say it so well. This nation is so full of contention, strife, and hatred. And my question to you, church, Christian American patriotic evangelical church, man, you're so huge. You're a huge wide way machine. And you want to just lay out anyone that's in your path. Why? This is our right. Don't you know what our forefathers did? Even if that's true, which I do not believe it is. We talked about that already. I'm not going to rehash that again. But even if that were true, what if this principle can be extracted from Genesis chapter 26? and be applied to us here right now in America as we near 2021. If I can word it the best I can come up with right now, what if the inhabitants of the land are saying, you know what? This isn't yours. This isn't yours. Move along. Get out of here. Get lost. There's so many points within this. What does Isaac do? He leaves. He's not fighting with them. He doesn't say he rose up with his men and enslaved people and said, no, these are the wells of my... No. He left. And he left again. And he left again. I would submit to you, in the most soberness I know how, to consider... Ask the Father, study this for yourself, and ask the Lord if this is true. I feel like this is what's happening right here, right now in America. The Christian church is Isaac, saying, Hey, I'm putting my name on these wells. My father named these. We're going to rename them what he named them. And if I understand a little bit of Hebrew history, and I could be proven wrong in a millisecond, but things I read lends me to think, and believe that when you took, when you named something and took possession of, of a thing, a place on a land, you were saying, hey, this land is mine. This is my territory. I will inhabit and dwell here. This is mine. But what do we see happen in this text? Hey, 
This is ours. Move along. And Isaac left. I would say circumstances that Yahweh sovereign oversaw and enacted and put in place for Isaac brought about and demanded he leave. <laughs> See, I'm getting crazy here. Knocking stuff over. <laughs> it demanded he leave. The circumstances were so hard around him with strife, contention, and hatred, he had to go. Yahweh God used the inhabitants of the territory to make Isaac move and sojourn. Do you understand what I'm saying? He allowed the constricting circumstances, the strife, contention, and hatred to force Isaac to do what he would not do on his own. He forced it to happen. Isaac did not remain and say, no, wait, these are my father's wells. This is mine. You leave. He up and left. He up and left. And he up and left. Why? I think, I'm convinced, because Yahweh was speaking to him and it was beginning to click in his mind, the command was to sojourn. The command was to await a land that, that Yahweh God will bring to me and my descendants. It's a promise. It's a covenantal promise. I'm moving. This, this is so, man, this is so alive in me. I have to like stay in my chair. Isaac was disobedient at the beginning. He kept attempting to dwell. And in the redigging of the well's events, he was not allowed to dwell. He was not allowed to dwell. He was run off. And he was told to leave. And he did. The Lord, But the Lord blessed him. All right, let's put this through our Christian American justification machine. Well, the Lord blessed him. Well, he was disobedient. Well, he was wealthy. He was disobedient. Well, he was successful. He was disobedient. But the wells were dug by his father. He deserved, he had the right. He was disobedient. Isaac's wealth and prosperity apparently irritated the people. And I would say that was all part of Yahweh's plan to get Isaac back on track with his purposes of sojourning. Yahweh uses the local inhabitants of that land in, the, in Gerar with the king himself in the valley of Gerar to frustrate the plans of Isaac. To join them and become an inhabitant, a dweller. God said, because he's perfect and he's, he's kind and he's, he's all these things. Patient, patient, patient. I have to believe that Yahweh looked down at Isaac and said, he's not doing it. He's not doing it. He's dwelling again. He's dwelling again. He's dwelling again. Got to frustrate his ways. I've got to, I've got to stir up some contention. I've got to stir up some strife. I've got to stir up some hatred because if I don't, he's going to remain comfortable there and he's going to live out a life in lavish living because I bless him because I'm just an incredibly awesome God and that's what I do because I keep the covenants 
of the forefathers that went before them. And he's going to die in disobedience, just like Solomon. So Yahweh, in his goodness, frustrates Isaac's ways and does not allow him to do what he wants to do, which is become what? An inhabitant who was meant to sojourn. So what I'm saying, Christian America, is this is us. This is us. I will be as clear as I know how. Christian, patriotic, evangelical America, this is you. I'm convinced it's you. Set aside the four million prophetic voices of this hour that say you deserve favor and goodness and kindness and you deserve the Constitution. You deserve guns. You deserve, you deserve, you deserve. It's the same message as the world's promoting right here, right now at the end of December, which says what? It's been a hard year. COVID, the economy, oh, the 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 political sphere that we are all living in and under. It's been a hard year. Get you a nice car. Get you some new clothes. Get yourself a little something extra. It's been a hard year. It's the same worldly pattern message, friends. It's the same. Which is what? Deservedness. 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 Although it comes through this backdoor evil that is this Christian patriotic American verbiage and jargon that makes it sound like it's from the Father, but is rooted and established in a Babylonian empire kingdom of men, which says, you know what? You have the right to dwell here. And we quote, we quote scriptures that make it fit. We jam it into that, that mindset that gives us comfort to say, you know what? That's right. I do deserve it here. I do deserve to be great. I'm the greatest. We're the greatest. Look at us. All the while. All the while. Prophets of this hour, listen to this message if there's even one. All the while. Contention, strife, hatred. Why? Because Yahweh God is trying to frustrate the ways of his people so that we move, so that we come out. It's the only way we will come out, which is why I say all through this series and every other time I open my mouth, Four more years of blessing, favor, and ooey-gooey, cushioned Christian American living will not produce the ways of God. They will not. They have not, and they will not. Just like with Isaac. If Isaac's ways would not have been frustrated by Yahweh God through the inhabitants of the land where he was trying to dwell and permanently stay, he would not have been forced out to sojourn and get to what? Rehoboth. He dug another well. No contention. No strife. Let's read it. No contention, no strife. I've got to find it. I'm 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 scattered. Verse 22. He moved away from there after um Sitna the quarreling. He dug another well. There was no quarreling there. So he named it Rehoboth. 
which is a broad place. Expansion. And Isaac said, quote, At last Yahweh has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. What was different? We're about to find out. He went up from there to Beersheba. Wait a minute. He left? He left Rehoboth? The good place of expansion given by Yahweh God? That makes no sense. Ding! He understood. I'm supposed to be a sojourner here. He went all the way back to the original word of the Lord to him. I'm supposed to move. I'm supposed to go. And he goes up from there to Beersheba. In verse 24, the Lord appeared to him the same night. Friends, are you getting this? Am I talking crazy? This is not an advantageous word for me. Why would I be promoting this as true? This doesn't benefit me. This puts me in a vice with you and everybody else. Why? Because it's not favorable. It's not advantageous for us. It doesn't put us in the best light and give us continued blessing and favor like all the prophets are saying. If Trump just wins the election, everything will be awesome. I promise. God said so. And my question is this. What if that leads us to bondage? What if that leads us to more idolatry? What if it leads us to even more and more and more advancing of the wicked schemes of the devil being accomplished because the church continues to slumber and sleep on the sidelines of what? Being an inhabitant here. I love America. And don't you dare talk anything about it other than how awesome it is and how great we are, period. It's all from God, you know. And that that pride and arrogance and puffed up nastiness has got to be put on the altar. It's got to. It's got to. We're going to have to bring this part to a close. Praise the Father he would not allow Isaac to stay and dwell in comfort. He blessed him for a season. We can't argue that. And that's why I believe this is so synonymous for America. Now again, America is 200 years old, people. She's a baby, an infant. She's a child at best. Could we possibly be in that part of the story of Isaac where there's blessing and favor and pastures and flocks and goodness and goodness and wealth and wealth and wealth, but there's disobedience. It's just the goodness of the Father. It's the unexplainable kindness of Yahweh. It's not validating that we are a people of obedience. It's not. It does not solidify, well, that's just because we're so awesome. Of course we're blessed and favored. No. It's not synonymous. Because we see here the blessing came to Isaac. In his dwelling, when he was told to sojourn, and to travel, and to go. 
He irritated the people with his wealth, with his prosperity. They said, you're too much. Get out of here. It sounds like what the church is receiving to me in the constant strife, the constant hatred, the constant contention. We blame everybody else. It's all their fault. Them, them, them. We belong here. This is our land. We dwell here. This is ours. You get out. What if we're the ones who are supposed to get out? In here. What if we're supposed to get out? How's that for flipping the tables on evangelical America? Just like Abraham, man, in Genesis chapter 12, in verse 22, Isaac removes himself from there. Abraham, then Isaac eventually, understood that he would only inherit Yahweh's greater covenantal promises by becoming a sojourner looking towards a greater permanent dwelling that Yahweh himself would identify. All other cities of refuge would be filled with strife, contention, and hatred. As he caught on, he goes on here, he builds an altar there. And called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent. And there Isaac's servant dug a well. We're going to have to stop. We're going to get into the significance of Beersheba. Sheba. What does that say? What does that mean? What's happening on the other side of Isaac pulling up his, his roots and saying, Whoa! We're moving. We're moving. Comes upon a place, no contention, no strife, no hatred. Calls it expansion. Okay, something's going on, but he doesn't stay. He moves again. There's such significance to this, specifically for us right here, right now, is 2021, and who knows what it holds is about to unleash upon this nation. I'm telling you, we had better be ready to let go. We had better be ready to come out and be separate. So, are we, are you, are we inhabitants who were meant to sojourn? We have got to ask these questions. Are we inhabitants of a land, of a nation that we were meant to sojourn through? I would say unequivocally with no question whatsoever from my head to my toes, Christian patriotic evangelical America is dwelling here. She is dwelling here. She is dwelling here in America. She is not sojourning. She is not. So this is a warning, I believe, through the texts about Isaac and the redigging of the wells of his father and the principles therein. To be one who is awaiting a country that is not yet. And again, this in no way is saying in any way whatsoever, we do nothing, say nothing, be nothing, just wait it out. No way, no how. I am not saying that in the slightest. But we do clearly have to get this principle. I believe this is, I believe this is the nation that I live within. It's a bunch of people who are meant to sojourn are inhabiting and dwelling and living in, basking in the goodness and kindness of the covenantal father, 
but in disobedience. Consider it, won't you? There's a lot more to go. I don't know. We'll have probably two more parts. This has been part two. Inhabitants who were meant to sojourn and called to come out. You've been listening, watching Pat to Zion podcast. Find us online 24-7 at patdesion.com. Send us an email. Correspond with us. Challenge us. That's fine. Please do that. Podcast at gmail.com. Share this video if you're bold enough to say something that doesn't tickle the ears of all the church. Something hard, man. It's time for something hard. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Amen.